I'm thankful that we can come together here at the first of this this new year. We we look at the new years as full of promise, as full of opportunity, as as full of wonder, as as full of a new chance and a, and a fresh start. Yeah. That a new year is, is where we can wash away all the old struggles and the bad things and the bad decisions that we made in the previous year. We can start over. Amen. As we begin this new year, though, we do not know where it will lead us. Just as every year before it has held unique wonders and challenges that were specific to it, so too will this coming year. We may think we have an idea of what this year will hold, have expectations of what we will do in this new year. But we in our human and frail state on this day, January 2nd, 2022, have no earthly idea of what will happen over the next 12 months. No matter the best laid plans, no matter the greatest expectations, no matter all that we do, we do not have the utmost control over how this year ends. Make decisions to help our lives, but, but ultimately the world is in the hands and in control of God. And I pray that we understand that just to make it through today, let alone this coming year, we must rely on the mercy and the moving and working of God in our lives daily. But what would He expect of us, though? What would He want us to do with our lives in this coming year? I want to speak today about that as this year starts and, and we get caught up and, and we, we'll make resolutions and we'll make plans and, and maybe some of us sit down at the first year and we're already thinking about vacation and we're already thinking about what we're going to do here and what we're going to do then and when we're going to go here at this place and maybe we're already thinking that we're, we've laid out all the bills and, and we're planning on the, the coming year and we've, we're looking at our situation and there's, there's nothing wrong with it. That's good and fine. But I pray that we start this year out as a church as a body of believers, as followers and disciples of Christ, that we start by looking at the vision. The vision that God has for us, the vision that God has for His church, the vision that God has for His people. And Proverbs 29.18 tells us that where there is no vision, people perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. This is Proverbs 29.18 and As we break down the Hebrew in this scripture, we understand that Solomon, as he's writing, he's writing for his sons, his children to read, and lessons that he's learned, the wisdom that he has. As as the Bible tells us that that Solomon, like like Gilbert was talking about this morning, that of wisdom and knowledge, Solomon had great wisdom of how to to lead his people. That's the gift he asked of God. Solomon was a wise man. And Proverbs is him dictating, writing down, laying out the wisdom of, of life that he has for his children specifically. We understand that. But ultimately, through the mercy of God, it has been passed down through time for us today to to learn of the things and the wisdom that he has and, yeah. and how he passed it down to us. Amen. And the Hebrew of, of what Solomon is teaching his sons, it's, you break it down, he's talking about direction, about the aim and the purpose of his children of people's lives. Basically that without a vision we're just wandering aimless without direction or purpose. You've ever felt that way in life? I've been a teenager. If you've been a teenager, you've felt that way in life. Yeah. Right? Yeah. If you've been laid off, you've probably 
felt that way in life. If you've been let go in a relationship, you've been dumped or whatever happened, and, and they said, you know, it's just not, it's not, it's not what I need, and, and they've left your life, you might have felt this, this aimless, this directionless life. Maybe lost someone that was close to you, a mother or a father, or maybe a spouse or maybe a child, and in that season that came out, you felt aimless, directionless. Stuttering and sputtering and spinning your wheels to try to to have some sense of direction in your life. Maybe you step into 2022 in that place. You don't know. You don't know where you're going in this year. Everything that you've tried has failed. Every attempt that you've made at success has come up short. Every relationship that you've started has ended out badly. Everything that you tried to do was good ended up turning into an awful situation. Every time that you tried to do what was right, it seemed like you just fell on your face and and you just have no idea where it is that you're going, of who it is that you need to be, of who it is that God wants you to be, of the life that He wants for you. You know, I've watched my fair share of, of these TV competition shows. I love Lego Masters. I don't know if you managed to watch that. Coolest thing takes the, ch- the the children's toy of Lego and they say, "Adults, you can still have fun," and and I and, and I dig that. Okay, love Legos, love Legos. You know, there's forged in fire where you have got these people who who make uh, these weapons and make things of metal, and and then there's other ones that where people make uh, beautiful glass sculptures, and other ones that Iron Chef America, wherever Bobby Flay and all of them are chopping up stuff and going crazy. But what I've noticed. There's a similarity between all these shows. That the show starts and they are given an objective. Cook this meal. Make this kind of sculpture. Make a weapon like this. Build something with Legos like this. And each team or individual, as they are given the objective, they're given this, what they're supposed to do. Before they begin anything, they sit down and they discuss what it is that their vision is is for this project, for this objective, for this mission, for what is laid out in front of them. Then they begin to focus on the the steps needed to get there. And we can apply that same simple logic, same simple understanding, same principle to our Christian walk with Christ. 2022 lays before us our objective. Our mission. To be the men and women of God that He desires for us to be in this coming year. And I pray that's all of ours desire. But that's a very obtuse and and, and broad thing. To be the men and women of God that He wants us to be in 2022. If I told you what what that meant and asked you what that meant, many would come up with umpteen different answers. But I want us to take a second and look at what it is that God has spoken into our church into our leaders previously and and going forward of what it is our vision should be. You know, understanding the vision of who we want to be for Christ in this new year is important. To have that direction of where that we feel the Holy Spirit is leading us in our walk with Christ will impact the impact that we have on our community. If you notice, people that have direction, people that have purpose, people that have drive, oftentimes are more successful than people that never have a plan. People that have no idea of where it is they're supposed to to go. 
And the same is true in churches. The same is true in, in ministries. Ministry that does not know what God wants them to do will, will always be trying different things. But a ministry that knows and is confident in what God wants them to do, that has that vision, will find success in their ministry and, and leading people to Christ and seeing people grow, to seeing people come to know who God is on a deeper level, to seeing families healed, see people come into a closer relationship with Him. But we have to have that vision. Some of you may remember that last year, several of our leaders, myself, some of the deacons, had discussions, we prayed about, we sought, and what God would want for our church. A direction of where He was leading us, of who He wanted us to be, of how He wanted us to impact our community. And we did a whole series back in this previous summer going over this. And as we come into this new year, I, I, as I prayed and I felt the Lord say, what better way than to, to re-examine who it is that I've called you to be. Be retrospective in your personal time and, and ask yourself, have I been this? But it, it, neither here nor there, as you look forward, seek to be it in this new year. The vision that we came to is that we want to be Christians that are walking towards Christ with our community. Now, I hope this is familiar to many of you that were with us back in summer. We've had a couple of families join us in the meantime since then. And we all need a refresher. Peter said in one place, I would that I desire that I stir up your pure minds of remembrance. What's Peter saying? I get it. You forget. I forget. We get excited about something and we grab a hold of it. And then after a couple of weeks or a couple of months or a couple of hard times or a couple of difficult seasons, we kind of forget what it was that we were so excited about before. So as we go into this new year, I want us to remember who it is that God has called us to be. That we are called to be these Christians, these men and women of God, disciples that are following His footsteps, that are walking towards Christ with our community. Yeah, bless you, Lord that we are making an attempt to connect with our community, moving toward the risen Savior. Now, you may hear me read that, and you're like, yeah, I remember him talking about that. I, I really like that. Or maybe you're new, and you're like, yeah, I, I, I can get behind that. I think that's a great idea. I think I really support that statement. I support what he's saying. I think that's a great vision for the church. And, and we can have that. We can have an excitement about this statement and not know how to consistently live it out in our own lives. You ever been in that place? Where somebody tells you something. Man, it sounds good. And you're excited about it. And then you go to try to do it, and you're like, I have no idea what I'm doing. It's a great idea. It's a great principle. You believe in it. You support it. And you're like, how do I do that? How do I do that thing that I believe in? How do we become Christians that are walking towards Christ with our community? Just as those competitors in those game shows, after they create a vision, they begin to think about the steps that are required for them to meet that vision, so too do we in our personal walks with Christ. This vision is not just a vision for the greater church, but it is our desire that it is a vision that each and every individual takes on personally. That they could get to the end of 2022 and look back and say, I was that Christian that was walking towards Christ. 
And I was doing it with my community. I was connecting with them and I was bringing people along with me that we can look back and be that as a church and as individuals and as family units. That we can have this same vision. Come together, as the Bible says, in one mind and in one accord. But the steps that we take, the the things that come between here and the end of 22, to be able to look back and say, yes, this was a successful year of ministry where we were faithful to God. We followed the vision He set out for us. We were the men and women, the church that He wanted us to be. The steps that come to make that happen is what we call values. Now, we all value something, right? Our values dictate the lives that we live, how we live our lives. If you value family... You spend more time with family. Your decisions center around what's good for the family. If you value your career, your decisions center around what's good for your career. If you value others, if you value your church, your decisions are going to be centered around what's good for your church. If you value your relationship with God, your decisions will center around your relationship with God and how it helps it grow and what helps it make what helps it make it better. And if we are intentional or not, we all have values in our lives. But if we are not intentional about it, our values will tend towards sinful, carnal nature. And that's the truth. The Bible tells us, it says, Man born of a woman in a few days full of troubles. A few days full of sin. A few days have made mistakes, have done things. That we all are sinned and come short of the glory of God. That this carnal nature leads us astray. So we as Christians have to be intentional about how we live our lives and the decisions that we make. Amen? Amen. Let me ask you this. How many of you just naturally have been good all your life without having to make really conscious decisions? None of us. if If you say that you just go about your day and when you do what first comes to your mind, it was a good thing, you're lying. Or you're not married and you live in isolation, you don't know anybody, you don't have a job, you don't have any money issues, you can do everything you want to do. One of the two. But let's be honest, there's some days we wake up and and the first thing that comes to our mind is frustration about something that we've got to do that day. Complaining about our spouse. Upset and frustration at one another. Fussing and fighting with family members. Going and being upset at work. And our tendencies in our own nature lead us to sin. So if we want to make 2022 a successful year of ministry in our community, if we want to be following this vision, we have to be intentional about the things that we value, that we prioritize, that we put first in our lives as a church and as families and as individuals. So these are some of the ones that we have discussed previously. And and if you want greater detail and in-depth, I encourage you, you go back. We have all the sermons online but just I want to go over these very quickly to remind us of who it is that we believe that God is calling us to be and how He has called us to live our lives. I feel like there's no better way to start the new year than to be reminded of who He is. Amen. Because who He was last year is the same person He is this year. Right. And the same person He will be next year and every year after until the end of time. He is still God. He still has a vision for His church. And He still has values that He lived out in His life while on this earth that He wants us to live out for ours as well. Okay, So I encourage you, if you don't take notes, or if you, especially if you've not heard this before, I, and take notes. Write it down in your Bible. Write, put it in your phone. I ain't going to complain if you're looking down and everything. I want you to know. This is something I want you to take home and live it out every day of your life for the rest of the year. 
Okay, I don't want you to go home and by the end of January forget what we talked about. Because let's be honest, I've done that. I know none of you have, but I've done that. Okay? Remember this. Okay? We learn and we share. Jesus told the disciples when He gave the Great Commission, He basically said, Hey, everything that I've commanded you, which means everything that you've learned of me, share that or teach that to others. Learning what He commanded and sharing, teaching. There's a lot in this Bible. 66 books, thousands upon thousands of verses, up to hundred thousands, I don't even know the number of words that are entailed in this in this this Bible that Jesus has left for us to learn of who He is, of what He has commanded us, of how He has commanded us to live His life, of, of telling us how much He loves us, of telling us why He came and why He did what He did, of telling us how to interact with other people, of how to live our lives, of, of us understanding what we were saved from and what we are saved to. There is much to be learned in the Bible. And if we want to be faithful Christians and follow the vision that God has for us, it should be our desire to learn of Him. To learn who He is. To learn the life that He lived. To learn the words that He said. Not just the ones in red, but the ones in the Old Testament as well that was spoken by God. Or the men of God. Or the, or the, or the workers of God. The servants of God that He sent. That we would know the character and the personality and the purpose of God in this earth that He has created. We have much to learn. There are many great scholars and and apologists and teachers and professors and and doctors that are well read in the Scriptures, but there has been none that have walked on this earth that that has learned everything there is to learn of these Scriptures. The Bible said it is alive. It is the living Word of God. By definition, the scientific de- definition of being alive means it continues to change, to grow, to, to build upon what it already had. And that is the Word of God. It is alive. There is Amen. more to it today than we could have taken in yesterday. And we can spend every moment of every day reading Scripture and still never encompass and consume it all. But it should be our desire to learn of Him. And not just to learn about what the Bible says, but to share it with others. We talked about knowledge and wisdom some this morning, and I feel one of the concepts that, that we can pertain with knowledge and wisdom, knowledge is just knowing something, wisdom is knowing how to teach it. Because you can know something and you know it, but not have any idea how to teach it or share it with somebody else. Anybody got a grandparent or somebody that you love, they cook the best thing that you've ever made, ever ever ate, ever put, put in your mouth. And you're like, I want you to teach me how to make it. And they're like, well, I don't know. I just took this and I put this and I throw a little bit of this in and a little sprinkle of that and I love it up real good and I put it in the oven and now it comes. Boom. They got the knowledge. They put it all together, but they're not teaching you how to make it. They're just saying, do your thing. There's a difference between knowing and knowing how to teach something, knowing how to share something. Let us not just be full of the knowledge of God, but full with the wisdom of how to share the knowledge of God. Because if we are walking towards Christ with our community, how can we do it with our community if we can't share it? A lot of people say, well, you just need to trust me and come to church. Or just believe me, it's good, it's what you need. You need to get, you need to get right, you need to go to church, you need to be saved. 
And that is what we have done in our testimonies a lot of times in our traditional churches is we, we just say, well, you just need to trust me. We live in a world that just doesn't trust a lot of people. Have you noticed that? <laughs> Nobody trusts anybody. That's the honest, goodness truth. No matter where you stand on whatever issue, you look at somebody across and you don't trust them. You have to be able to teach people and share with them the truth of the Word of God. You don't have to know it all. But you have to know the Word of God at some, to some extent to teach it and share it. Now here's the concern that we fall into sometimes. We can't do one or the other. If we learn but do not share, we are the Pharisees. We have all wisdom of the righteous principles and the things that we're supposed to do in church, but we do not share the love of God. We're pharisaical. Or we have shared but have not learned. This is the isms and the schisms group. This is the, my opinion works because it's my opinion or because it was mom and daddy's opinion, so it's my opinion. And, you, and nobody says mom and daddy's wrong. Opinions are dangerous. To just share them like they are truth of Scripture can lead people farther from Christ instead of leading them closer to Christ. When we, when we take uh, truth, it brings life. But falsehoods and opinions bring death, destruction, and division. My pastor growing up, when I first really announced my call to preach and got to, to speak in more and more regularly, he, he said, just, spree- just preach Scripture. He said, they don't need what you think because they can get that other places. They need Scripture. They need the truth. They need the Word of God. So we are called to learn and to share. We're also called to use our gifts. How many of you, and, and you can raise your hands, or don't. Let's not raise your hands. Okay, I don't like that. That's never good. Um, but think to yourself, how many of you have ever went through a season of life where you just felt like you didn't have any gifts to give? That you had nothing to offer the service of Christ. That you felt like you come to church and, and you hear so-and-so preach and so-and-so sing and so-and-so's playing this and the other person's teaching and this one's doing this and this one can, can, can do great food and this one can help in this. That you feel like you have no gift to you. But I want you to understand that everybody that was created from the handiwork of God, which entails everybody, has a gift to give. The fact that we can speak is a gift that some people don't have access to. The fact that we have a maybe have a car, or that we might have, might have our health, or that we might have this or that. Maybe we have a, an abundance of optimism. Maybe we have an a, abundance of knowledge. Maybe we have an abundance of something in our life. It's a gift that we are called to use, to minister to others, to show the love of God, to, to be the men and women that He desires for us to be. We are called to, to use our gifts. Have you ever had somebody, we just got through Christmas, right? All right. Have you ever had somebody, you give them a gift that you put great thought into? Man, you saw it in the store and you're like, that person needs that. They might not know they need it, but they need it. That's, a, that's the perfect thing for them. I've been in their house, that would look great on that wall. Or they were complaining about that, or help them with this. Man, their ankles are always swollen. They really need some of those socks, those compression socks. I'm going to get it for them. 
And you get that gift, you wrap it up so pretty. Mm. It looks good. You're proud of yourself. You look like some kind of fancy person. You look like an elf. You wrap it so good. You give it to them. You, they open that gift. And man, they put on a good show, don't they? Oh, it's the best thing they ever could have dreamed of. And then a year comes around. And you get a gift from this person. Oh! They thought of you. And they put so much thought into this gift. And you open it up. And there's those same pair of socks. You bought that person. And that same picture from Hobby Lobby that you thought looked so good on their wall, it's there, right in your lap again. How do you feel in that moment? Past all the laughter and the fun, there is that moment, that tinge of, they didn't like it. They didn't use it. How many times do we take the gifts that God has given us? That He put so much thought in His wisdom and His knowledge and His understanding of all things throughout all eternity and said this is the gift that Maynard needs, that Jason needs, that Carol needs, that, 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 that Emily needs, that this person needs. Oh, and, and, and he, he, he gives it to us with great expectation and great hope of what we're going to do with it. And we just turn around and we'll say, I think you meant that for someone else. Maybe not with our words, but with our actions. We have all been given a gift. The fact that we are alive is a gift. And because of the gifts that we have, we should share them in some way and capacity with those that are around us. We can use our gift to show the love of Christ to those that are in our lives, to those that are in our community, to those that are in our, our churches. We must use our gifts. Thirdly, we want to focus on building relationships. You might say, well, why are relationships so important to Christ? Where does the Bible say that that's important? You look at the life that Jesus lived and how He ministered and what was what did He always prioritize? What did He tell Zacchaeus? He didn't preach to Zacchaeus when He was in the tree. He said, Zacchaeus, come down. We're going to eat. We're going to build a relationship. And you're going to trust me. And you're going to know me. And you're going to follow me. Because the relationships that Christ invested in and built, His ministry found greater success because people had a relationship, a connection to them. Why do we hate telemarketers? Because we have no relationship with them. If your cousin was telling you the same thing that the telemarketer told you, you'd be more apt to listen to your cousin. Right? Mom or daddy say, you need this. I got it. You need it. You're going to probably try that thing out. Telemarketer calls and you're like, please leave me alone. Maybe we're not so much nice language. <laughs> and you want to get away from them. It's the relationship that makes the difference. The same message can be given, but the one that is more trusted will be the one that is accepted. Okay? Makes sense? We might go around and we might think, man, nobody, we'll say this, nobody wants Jesus. No. Nobody's building a relationship with the people that need Jesus. And the church needs to build those relationships like Christ built 2,000 years ago. Because when there's a connection 
and there's a little bit of trust there. Then when we talk about something that they might be against a little bit, that they might be opposed to, or maybe they just don't understand it, they're more apt to listen. And not just listen, but to think about it. For a second longer than they would if a stranger told them. To give it a little bit more consideration than if somebody just popped up on the side of the street or knocked on their door because of the relationship that you build. Now this is not me saying that, that proselytizing and going out and, and just kind of what we call cold call, talking to people about Christ, is not effective. It, it can be. But there is more success in building relationships for the cause of Christ than just going to a stranger and say, you lost, you need Jesus. Because I wouldn't like that. And most people wouldn't. But if you say, hey, come to dinner. Or hey, let me connect with you over something. Then there's that acceptance that comes with that. Building off of that, if we really want to build effective relationships that, that honor Christ and glorify Him and that open doors for people to be saved, we, we have to put others first. You know, this is hard. I mean, out of all the things that we've talked about, learning and sharing, you know, some of us might struggle with that, but we can do it. Using our gifts, you know, we'll, we'll do that. Building relationships might be harder for some than others, but, but everybody likes, nobody's meant to be alone. We like relationships. But putting others first goes so against who we are in our sinful nature that this takes the most concentration, most focus to do this on a daily basis. But we must put others first. We can look at Christ and and everything that He did, we see this exemplified. Putting others first. We talked about with Christmas, he was born in a manger. Why did he come in that way? So that shepherds would feel like they could come to him. He was putting others first. He began to separate from his family early on because he said, I must be about my father's business. He was putting others' salvation, others' relationship with God first. He traveled from town to town. The Bible says even the Son of God didn't have a place to lay his head. He was putting others first hung on a cross and suffered pain and punishment and was marred worse than any other man Bible tells us he was putting others first now in the world that we live in putting others first doesn't mean that you have to sacrifice your life doesn't mean that you have to sell all your possessions doesn't mean that you have to, to give up everything that you want or everything you, you think you want but it does mean that we cannot be self-centered. We cannot be solely focused on our own desires or our own wants, our own glorification, our own acceptance, our, our own glory. We must put others first. You know, we can go back to the very beginning of time and, and Satan understood this principle and understood how hard it was for people to do these things. Because how did Satan tempt Adam and Eve? He appealed to their own self-interest. He said, you will be like God. You'll have power. You'll have knowledge. You'll have authority. He said, you will surely not die. Their self-interest 
is what Satan appealed to. And if Adam and Eve had focused on putting others first, they may have been less likely to bend and accept and bow down to this appealing opportunity that Satan had offered them. But because they were given into their own self-interest, instead of putting others first, led to the decision that brought sin into this world. Being self-centered and only focusing on your own interest instead of putting others first will damage your ministry, will hinder the cause of Christ in your community, in your family, in your workplace, in your school, if we continue to put self-interest first. Self-interest will lead us astray of what God desires for us. And finally, with all these things, if we want to effectively be pursuing this vision of walking towards Christ, with our community, and we look back on 2022 and like, man, this year in ministry is the greatest that we've ever experienced as a church, is the greatest that we've ever experienced as a family, the greatest that I've ever heard of as an individual, then we must live boldly. We all have somebody in our life that's bold, right? Somebody that's bold, that, that it doesn't matter what situation they're in, they're going to take the lead. They're going to step up. They're going to be there. They're going to do what needs to be done. They live boldly. To live boldly means to, for a Christian, means to pray boldly. We pray meek and sheepish prayers sometimes, limiting the power and the ability of God. Let us pray boldly like we think God can do anything. Let us speak boldly. It goes back to the learning and the sharing. If we know what Scripture says, if we understand what Scripture is telling us, let us speak it with truth and authority and spirit and speak it boldly to a world that needs to hear it. You can be bold without being offensive. Don't know if you knew that. God was bold. Jesus was bold on this earth. But the only people He offended was the righteous folk. You can be bold about sin and not offend people. And let them receive it and accept it and say, yeah, you're right. Let us speak boldly. And let us go boldly. The things that we make, the places we might not go as much as we need to. Maybe it's church. Maybe you need to be more bold about going to church with your family. Maybe you need to be more bold about going to your neighbor and talking to them and building that relationship. Maybe you need to be more bold about doing what it is that God wants you to do and going out and being in the hands of Jesus. Go boldly. But the enemy has established the earth and culture and society in such a way that it is in complete and total opposition to boldness. Because the earth and society and culture values comfort. And comfort is the enemy of boldness. Because if I want to be comfortable, I will never do the bold things. If I want to be comfortable and, and just be happy and, and, and not have any concerns, I won't go boldly. I won't speak boldly. I won't do the things that God wants me to do boldly. I'll just be comfortable. But we need to live boldly. You know, you those that have been here several years since I've been here probably know that I, I usually, as the year starts, we... You know, we start with some kind of challenge. I think one year we, we did a 21-day prayer and fasting challenge of some sort. And we've done different challenges of the like. 
And I think challenging uh, ourselves, individuals and as a church, is needed because we do want to be comfortable. And sometimes we need to be challenged to be bold. So here's the challenge going into this new year. David, give me a count of who's in here while I finish this real quick. As we go into the new year, my challenge to you is each and every week, make an attempt to make a connection with somebody that you never have before and have a conversation with them about Christ. Okay? This is somebody that you've not talked to before. Maybe it's the person in line at the grocery store. Maybe it's the teller at the bank. Maybe it's the person you work with that's new at work that you've not talked to. Maybe it's the family that just moved in because I didn't know if you know this. We've had several families move into the community recently that I've had the pleasure to meet in our food pantry ministry. Somebody that you've not talked to before. So that means no doubling up through the year. Make a connection. That's the building relationship part. And have a conversation with them about Christ. This one thing entails all of the values because you need to learn about who God is and share what you've learned with this person with your conversation. You use the gift of being to to speak or to communicate in some form or fashion. That you then you're make building a relationship, you're making a connection with somebody. And let's be honest, doing something like this is putting them first because if it won't do what we want to first, we wouldn't do it. You're putting others first. And you're living boldly by doing this. So in this one action, all of our values are encapsulated. If each week you make a connection with somebody and have a conversation with them and in some way tell them about Christ. David, how many is here? 36? And that Was that one of them back there too? 37, 38, we'll say 40. We average about 40. With 40 people... If we did this every week, I know there'll probably be some crossing over, but let's say for for just the sake, there's not. If 40 people each week tell one person about Christ to make that connection, at the end of the year, we'll we'll have reached 2,080 people that we have never talked to about Christ before. 2,080 people. That's a big number. I don't know if that many people live in the valley. I don't know. Do you? Probably not. Gilbert Satan said no. Okay? So you're going to have to go out. You're going to have to go to Pioneer and maybe Jellico. Newcomb, maybe. Okay? Go to Walmart. There's 2,000 people in there at one time. I don't know. But if we did this, not just through January, and then February comes like, well, that was fun, wasn't it? Through the whole year, 2,000 people who are lost that do not know God, because of that, are at risk of spending eternity in hell, will have heard that one, somebody cares enough about them to build a relationship with them, and that person told them about Christ. And I ain't going to guarantee anything, but God is a great God. And when we are faithful to Him, He is faithful to outdo Himself. Amen. Amen. Come on. Amen. Amen. There you go. We'll get this in this new year. If we are faithful, to, to follow this vision of walking towards God with our community, following these values to accomplish that, we will see great change for the cause of Christ. 
The kingdom will grow. Lives will be healed. Marriages will be healed. Families will be brought back together. People will be saved. People will grow deeper. We'll have baptism. We'll see things change. If we are faithful to this vision, not just in January, but in February and March, and we live it like we mean it, not just that sounds good, don't let it be that Bible verse that people write and, and then they never even know what it is. Be, let this be truth. Let this be your purpose, your priority, your cause, your meaning in this year. I don't know what God wants me to be at the end of the year or who I'll be at that time, but I want to do everything I can to be a Christian that is walking towards Him and that is doing that with my community. And wherever I end up, I will know and be confident that it's where God wanted me to be. Amen? So let's live out this vision. These values. Each of these values go back to the character of God. The vision basically comes straight from what He commands us in Scripture. So let us live it out in this new year. You know, the older I've got, the more I've realized that resolutions aren't great. So I don't want this to be a resolution. I don't want this to be something like, I'm going to try to talk to somebody. I want it to be, I am a Christian. God is my Savior. This is what He's called me to do, so I'm going to do it. Not just this year, but for the rest of my life. Okay? Let's latch on to it. Grab that mentality. Because if we do, it shows that we care about those that are around us and their eternal destination. If we don't, what does that say about His people? I've got it. It don't matter about anybody else. It does matter about everybody else. Man, this new year holds so much promise, so many opportunities, so many things that God wants to do. And let us not have this idea of, well, God's done doing great things. He's not. He is doing great things. And He will continue to do great things. And He still has the power to do great things. He wants us to believe it and live like we believe it. Take this vision. I've got a few copies. It's actually typed out and, and reasoning and everything. We gave it out back in, in, in summer, so you may still have one. If you want a copy, I'll give it to you. It lays out everything. The scriptures are supporting everything behind it. And you can take it, put it on your refrigerator, whatever you need to do, where you read it every day and you make it part of your life. But let's make this part of our lives. Amen. Let's all stand.